Hey, so we're in the last uh, week of our campaign called Release. And the idea behind it is that we would be released as a church into the next chapter of ministry that God has for us. And along with that, our prayer has been that you would be released into the next level of your relationship with Christ as well. And so that's why the campaign has had different things attached to it. The prayer bracelets that we've been wearing that hopefully on the day of the week that you chose, you've been able to increase your prayer life. Uh, as it uh, relates also to your devotional lives. We've been going through the devotions together and uh, had 25 days of that. And wherever you are in that, you could either be finishing up this week or have already finished up depending on when you started. Uh, But the idea is that God has called us as a church, as a people, to this location, to this church, to these people, and that God has um, brought us together as a family. And so we want to step boldly into what that next season of ministry looks like for us. And this morning, we're going to do some things that are a little different, kind of in in honor of that. But if you're new, um, basically this whole campaign, uh, as I mentioned, has those different elements to it. And one of the other elements that it has to it is that we are requesting that everyone who calls us their church family commit to a three-year giving campaign above and beyond what they normally give. And so uh, that's not for you if you're visiting. We don't like it's your first week and we're like, hey, how much are you going to give over the next three years? Um, But uh, I've got some more commitment cards. We'll talk about that. But that's just been a part of it about how we are going to step up as a people to invest in our property so that we can reach more and more people with the love of Christ and to restore lives to healthy relationship in Jesus Christ. And, and so that's been kind of our thing. This last week, um, I wanted to talk about the idea of sacrifice and and. And it worked out perfect because it's the last week. And when I talk about sacrifice, I can really kind of put the screws to you and make sure I squeeze out every dollar I possibly can, which is what, a, uh, what you're supposed to talk about when you talk about sacrifice. But uh, thank you, Aaron, for laughing. It was a joke. Um, gosh, everyone's like, oh, oh, it's a joke. Good. Phew. Uh, but I, as I started thinking about what does sacrifice look like, I thought of a, a, a um, story in the Bible about a woman who gives just this huge sacrifice. And so I went to that particular story about this woman who took some perfume that was worth about a year's worth of salary and she dumps it out on Jesus. And, and, and the, the, whole, the whole idea of the story is that, you know, uh, when she does that, the disciples go, you know, this is an outrage. We could have given that money to the poor. And Jesus starts talking about his burial and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, Man, that's a good story about sacrifice because, yeah, you know, you give up a year's salary and that's awesome. And this is what we're talking about and all this kind of stuff. And as I started going over that story, I realized in Scripture there's actually two stories of this happening to Jesus, not just once. And it happens in totally different locations with totally different people at totally different times in Jesus' ministry. And one of them's recorded three times in Matthew, Mark, and John. And the other one is only recorded one time, and that's in Luke. And that's the one I want to look at this morning because it's totally different than the other one. And I thought to myself as I was looking at both of them and reading up on both of them and just kind of prayerfully considering, God, what would you have me talk about in our last week of the campaign? This was the one that I wanted to talk about. And so um, what happens oftentimes if there's 
two things that happened to Jesus and they happened at different locations like a feeding of certain amount of people and then a feeding of another amount of people we tend to take the two stories and put them together and form them into one story about a feeding or about a healing or about whatever when in fact Jesus might have had this happen in different times and different places and that's just how the scripture is written and so it's really important when you're uh, reading scripture to be a good student of the Bible to be able to come at it every time with a fresh approach because we all bring our own stuff to the Bible if you've done time in prison uh, you're going to bring that to the Bible as you read it and it's going to you know look that's going to see how you look if you've been had really bad things happen to you in your life like Jeremy was talking about in his baptism uh, today you're going to bring that to the Bible and so the Bible is awesome because it, it has this nuance and it has all these different things in it. And sometimes the Bible leaves things out when you'd expect there to be something. And other times the Bible puts things in and you think to yourself, well, what in the world did that have to do with anything? And you, you start looking at context. You start looking at what, what did it mean for the people who were reading it then? And this is one such story. Let's uh, start it out here. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, sorry, let me take my glasses off, or put my glasses on. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, one of the things that I do every time I read the word Pharisee in the Bible, and there's this little thing in my mind that goes, dun, 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 you know, like, you know, because like all Pharisees are bad. That's one of the things I have to take away when I look at the scripture. Not all the Pharisees were bad. And so you have to kind of look and see, is this Pharisee trying to trap Jesus? Is he inviting him over to like slip him something in the food and then we'll get rid of Jesus? Like what's, what's going on? And you can't read into, unless there's another story from another gospel, you can't read facts into the story. It's just a Pharisee invites Jesus over and he's reclining at the table. And the way they did it back then... Um, it wasn't like you or I where you sit at the table and you sit down in a chair. Um, they didn't have chairs there, which is if when you write, watch Passion of the Christ, there's a little joke that he's making a chair and his mom's like, what's that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, that was the only funny part of the movie, by the way. Um, and, okay, so then there's this lower table that's on the floor and they would literally re- recline down on the floor with like a pillow or whatever and their feet would be away from the table, as you can imagine. And, and then they would be close. And this is exactly what's happening. The other thing that's happening right now is oftentimes when Pharisees would get together like this, they would invite the rest of the people in the community to come listen to what they're doing. The, the equivalent for us would be like a panel. If I invited a panel of theologians, we'd have them up here and then you you would all be invited and you'd sit down and since it's theologians, I'd be sitting with you and uh, we'd be listening to these guys that know all this kind of stuff and we'd sit and we'd, you know, think and go, wow, that was a really good point this person had and all that kind of stuff. And this is what would happen. There'd be an event at a Pharisee's house, other Pharisees, other important people, and the people would be allowed to come and, and listen. And so this is what's happening here what happens next is just man if you just know that culture and it doesn't really take us much to stretch to just realize how uncomfortable this would have been pharisees are sitting down with jesus they're having dinner and a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that jesus was eating at the pharisee's house And so she came there 
with an alabaster jar of perfume. See if that works. There we go. There are a few things I just noticed as I was looking at this. A lot of commentators insert that this sinful life meant she was probably a prostitute. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say she was a prostitute. As in Luke, who wrote this, knows the word for prostitute. Okay, He uses it in the book later. As a matter of fact, Jesus says the word while he's there. There's some reason why Luke didn't say what kind of sinner she was. I believe the reason we try to put prostitute on there is because it's bigger sin than what we've probably committed. That oftentimes when we see the word sinner in the Bible or this person led this kind of life, we want to think of someone worse than us. And so we attribute that to her. But it doesn't say that. And I wonder if Luke didn't do this on purpose by being guided by the Holy Spirit. There's this woman who led a sinful life. Now, if I polled the audience here, And I can look out and I can tell you there's three of you. I I can see you right now. And I said, who's led a sinful life? I don't, you three, don't raise your hand. Okay, we don't, we're not trying to call attention to you, right? We're just trying to say, who led a sinful life? I know, I know, I know, I know the three that are here, right? We'd all raise our hand. And what I want us to see from this woman is this heart that I, that when I read it was like, this is what, I want at the end of the release campaign that when we as a church step into this new season of ministry, that we'd be all just like her. Let me just show you three things real quickly, just in this verse that I, that just jumped out at me that I'm hoping um, we continue to just process and we continue to step into. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Just real quick, three, th- uh, three quick things. One, she, she was connected with her sin. She, she knew she was sinful. <laughs> right? Sometimes, if we've been a Christian for a long, long time, we lose sight of the fact that we've been saved by Christ. That we were destined to eternity without him. That we, we too, just like her, yeah, we, we, if I asked who's led a sinful life, we all raise our hands. She understood this. The second thing I want us to notice is that she finds out where Jesus is and she goes there. She seeks Jesus out. She goes after Jesus. All of a sudden something comes in, you know, maybe the announcement comes, hey, the Pharisees are gonna have their Pharisee potluck panel uh and uh you know everyone's invited just like normal uh, you know special guest speaker jesus (laughs) and she's like oh man jesus is gonna be there and so she goes to where jesus is she goes she she this is an example of her accepting his lordship of her accepting that man there's something about jesus and the third thing is she comes prepared She comes prepared with this alabaster jar of perfume. Archaeologists have found thousands of them. And so we can't say that this in this little jar was a year's worth of perfume. We can't say any of that. All we know is that she went to Jesus with this little thing because she had something in her mind. 
She had something to offer. And as I think about our church and I think about, you know, when we show up at, at different places. And again, you have to understand how I see church. I don't see church as just Sunday morning. Like, I don't think of church, us as a church, showing up and having little vials of perfume. I see us as a church going out with our vials. That we go out with something to offer to worship the Christ that we follow. When I think of us as a church family, I don't think of all of us coming together and offering a bunch of money, although we have to do that, please. And uh, we put it in the offering. It keeps the church going. It keeps everything on. That's fantastic stuff. But more importantly, imagine if we were like this woman that when we went into our office during the week, we went in as someone who says, I want to see where Jesus is in this office. And I want to go prepared with something to offer. And we get this as a church. I just want us to step further into that uh, idea. You know, Paul, Paul put it this way, you know, in connecting with his sin. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm foremost of all. Paul was totally connected with his sin. He totally understood, man, if it wasn't for Jesus... I'd have nothing. And then he takes that realization, just like this woman. She lived a sinful life. She knew about it. She understood it. And he then stepped into all his situations, all his conversations, all his, um, uh, you, you know, uh, yeah, situations is fine. All the places where he went. And he thought, but how can I, what do I have to offer the kingdom of God in this situation? And so, um, she does that. Now, now watch the level of commitment that this woman has. First, she probably turned off her cell phone. <laughs> Secondly, this is a little joke. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, can you imagine? We have our panel up here that I was talking about. Got the theologians, different people think. And someone comes in and they're just, they're just weeping, just crying. And they come up to one of the members of the panel and they just grab them by the feet and start crying. We, we'd be like, what? Uh, you'd be looking at me. What's pastor going to do? Or what's John going to do? Or what is that? Okay, right? He said, she stood behind him at his feet weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. With her hair. Kissed them and poured perfume on them. Who, who does that? Who understands the relationship between themselves and Christ to that extent where they just leave their dignity at the door and walk in in full humility? Just go, Christ, you have everything I have to offer. She's weeping. She's crying on his feet and then wiping them up. I wonder what he was thinking at this time. Because as we see later, this has taken place for a while. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what he's thinking when 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 we make these types of sacrifices. 
And so the Pharisee kind of chimes in. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Now, again, for those of you like myself who are predisposed to hating Pharisees, uh, you look at that and you go, aha. But it doesn't say what was in his heart. It doesn't say what, what, what he was going through. Yes, he might have. He might have said, uh, ah, if this man were a prophet, he, you know, I knew, I knew he wasn't a prophet. But that's not what it says. He might have been totally, totally disappointed. He might have invited Jesus to his house and gone, you know what? I think this guy might be the Messiah. I think this guy might be it. We need to get him in with the other Pharisees. I want to see how we kind of talk about these things. I I want him in my house. I I want to be able to see how he interacts with people. I want to get him really close. And then all of a sudden when this woman comes in, who he knows is a sinner, right? He goes, oh, no. You might read it like that. Oh, no. Ah, if this man were a prophet, he'd know he's touching him. And what kind of woman she was. And she's a sinner. He might have been an OCD, okay? And been like, you know, in this day and age, if you touch something unclean, you were unclean. And so he might be going, oh, man, she's unclean. Oh, now Jesus is unclean. Oh, he touched my tablecloth. My tablecloth is unclean. Oh, no, uh, who knows, right? We don't know. Here's the thing I do know. Oftentimes, Jesus, in establishing his kingdom, does something that is beyond what we were expecting to happen. That Jesus might deal with you in a certain way that, that uh, you weren't expecting. Might all of a sudden deal with a situation that you weren't expecting. That Jesus comes. When Jesus shows up, sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes it shows up like a homeless person walking through the doors of the church. So sometimes it shows up in, in a phone call you never thought was coming. Now here's the thing. Which are you? I'm kind of the Pharisee guy. Like, like sometimes Jesus disappoints me. Sometimes I think, oh, success looks like this, or this looks like that, or, or whatever. Sometimes I'm disconnected with my own sin. And I, I miss the fact that I start labeling people like he did. You know what I'm hoping for our church? I'm hoping that as we step again into this new season, that we would be able to Come to Jesus on his terms. Like the woman, we understand we're a sinner. We, 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 we go to where he's at, wherever that is, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's in our school, whether it, wherever it is, and we come prepared. Jesus, what can I offer into this situation? The other thing I hope for us is that we will be able to expect Jesus's reaction in anything and be able to go, okay, that, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I mean, Part of it is because I'm in full-time ministry, I get to see, I get more of these types of opportunities than most people because it's my job to do that. I'm hoping we all step into that. I hope, I hope when you go to work this week, you're sitting in your office and you hear somebody in the cubicle next to you and the Holy Spirit goes, you need to go talk to him right now. And you're like, ah, no. And as you bring that alabaster perfume and you begin to worship the Lord in that, you don't wipe your feet on their, your hair on their feet. Okay, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying that. Watch what Jesus says. 
to Simon, who's trying to figure all this out. Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Again, we, we don't know if he's like, go ahead and try to tell me something. You know, we don't know what his, how he's, he might be like, tell me. I, you know, like, this, I'd love for you to explain what's happening right now. You know, we, don't, we don't know. He says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and one the, and the other 50. Now listen, neither of them had the money to pay back. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. You know what this does? This establishes that no matter whether you're the pastor standing on the stage, on the board, on staff, or you just happen to walk through those doors, none of us, we're all on level ground. None of us have what it takes to pay God back in order to be in right standing relationship with him. So he forgave the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replies, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. I think Simon's been around Jesus long enough to know, just back up, Jack, and just don't try to, you know, Jesus has slammed a few other Pharisees in his day. So, right, Jesus says, you've judged correctly, which is fantastic for him to see. And then Jesus turns towards the women and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? How, when I read, was reading this and just going over it, I, you know, I try to read it in different ways and I try to think about you know, what I know about Jesus and what I know about my Savior, what I know how he's spoken to me and how I see him act in the scripture and all this kind of stuff. And I, just, I just underlined that. Do you see this woman? Do you? And, and, and again, I just started kind of adding my own stuff. And so I'm not saying this is what Jesus meant. But I know that Jesus looked over the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. I know that when the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus showed up and he was just like, man, just starts writing stuff in the ground. I don't know what he was writing. Just starts like, I know he feels for people. Here's this woman who just basically completely had no self-concern. She was just like, I got to get to Jesus. And there's just something in me that thinks that he was just staring at her while he was talking to Simon. It may not have happened. He might have been looking at Simon and just said, do you see this woman or whatever? But me personally, I think he was looking right at her. And he just started to talk about Think about her and different than just a woman. She's not a sinner. She's a person. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. To let down your hair was shameful in that time. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. You know, you know what's incredible about this woman? She became the sacrifice. Her own tears and her own hair and, I mean, just the person of who she was was the act of worship. She was the act of worship, her very life. When she decided at some point, 
And you can just picture how this went. She's in her house, and maybe the whole town thinks of her as a sinner. We, we don't know. Maybe she was a prostitute. Who, who knows? But at some point, she found out Jesus was going to be there and went, you know what? I, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to make this right. And I don't know which alabaster thing of perfume she picked. Maybe she only had one. Maybe she had five. Maybe she picked the worst one. Maybe she picked the best one. Maybe she thought, man, after this, I, maybe she had her stuff packed. Like, I'm going to go cry on Jesus, and then I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. I have no idea. But her whole life, that whole action from the time she said, I'm going to do this, to the time she did it was just this sweet act of worship in her own life. You know that I wish for our church? That that's who we'd be. When we wake up in the morning and we drive to work and we are on our way and we just go, God, I just want this day to be an act of worship for you. I want to find out where you are. I want to go there and I want to be prepared to be able to worship you with all that I have, no matter what it costs me. A church that stands up boldly in, a, in the workplace or in school when other people are doing other things and you know, man, it would be so easy for me right now to just step into this, to be, to, I'd be accepted more. It would work out better for me, but to go now. Or when you're filling out an application and they want certain information, it'd be so easy to just write down a date or a number or something that isn't quite right and you go, no, no. I, this is not where Jesus is. I'm going to trust him. So he goes on, he says to Simon, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And in the New American Standard, it says her sins, which are many. You know, it's like, thanks for letting the cat out of the bag in front of everyone, Jesus. But uh, as uh, her sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves it all. And then it gets back down to just the biggest thing you could ever hear from Jesus. Not thanks for the perfume. or boy, that was really uncomfortable, or man, good job crying. He says this, your sins are forgiven. Did I I miss one there? Oops, did I go back too far? Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go, yeah. Yeah, That's what he says. (laughs) The others began to say, who is this that forgives sins? You know what's really cool? This happened two chapters before to Jesus, not the perfume one, but this particular setting where he's with some other Pharisees in a house. Well, I don't know if he was eating dinner there, but he was teaching, it says. He was definitely teaching. And so there are other people outside the house. One of the gospels tells us people couldn't even get in. They were just all kind of crowded around. And they bring this paralyzed guy to Jesus. His buddies carry him in. And Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. And this exact statement almost comes up. They begin to say, who is this that forgives sins? Or who does he say? He's blaspheming. What, what, how, how does this happen? And Jesus says this most amazing thing. He says, he says, so that you know that I have the ability to forgive sins, go ahead and stand and walk. And they, the guy stands up from being paralyzed. I wonder if this Pharisee, Simon, was there when, this ha- when that happened. And he's like, I got to get Jesus to my house. This is crazy. The same thing happened. Who is this that can forgive sins? Goes on. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.